All right, well, thanks for everyone for coming out for the podcast and set. My guests this week are, of course, Pete and Matthew Gardner. Yay! <laughs> uh, all right. Now, <clears throat> Pete, I've known you for about 23, 4, 5 years, something like that. That is correct. <laughs> no, um, I think I've known you longer than that, I hate to say it. I think probably, hmm, is it 25? Probably 25. Yeah, maybe. I guess you're right. 25. I was going to say 30 just sound nice round number. Well, I've, I've been doing it for about 30, but I think I, I, I didn't get to IOTA until about 25 years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, but I remember you... Before your time. Yes, oh. be, before his son's time. We'll get there. Uh, I remember Pete was one of the great players already established when I was just starting. Uh, I would like to jump straight to... Sure. Uh, Jazz Freddy. Ah. I remember that. You uh, were there. You, you, were, you were not there. He was. Actually, he was in... Susie was producing... And he was, he was there. He was oh, at really? those shows. Yeah, he was at all those shows. I remember that. I'll never forget one time she tripped and she was pregnant and everybody, the whole crowd ran back and she was like, I'm oh, fine. This so explains cool. so much. It should. It should. About me. I too was at almost all of those shows. I do you remember that? As much as we had Dorf on oh, a, a, a while back and we were talking about how, I remember like the family used to come down. Uh, and, and I think me and Ali in particular just all every week and watch those shows. Uh, what was really unique for those of you that don't know what Jazz Freddy was is um, when I was doing improv back in the, what was that, early 90s? Like early 90s. 90, That's early 90s, Something yeah. like that. And I had worked on a new format called Ed, and I wanted to share it with all my friends, so I put together this group that was like, almost like a super team. It was, there was like 13 people in the group. Usually improv groups are like six or seven people. This had 13 people, and it was like two or three people from all over the city, all different groups. And what was so amazing, and we would rehearse. We would practice and rehearse like it was a show. We were, it was really serious. And, uh, and the thing that was so amazing is that everybody knew of each other, but they weren't friends with each other. So everybody brought their A game all the time, and it was amazing. And the rehearsals were better than the shows because people would really take chances in rehearsal. That I mean, just amazing, like really just like beautiful scene work. And then they'd do it in the shows, but it would always be like a step or two back right? because it wasn't quite as safe as it was in rehearsal. But that's why whenever I do an improv show, not like this one, but when I do most improv shows, I really love rehearsal. I love it because I, you, I feel like everything's built on trust. And if you really can develop that trust with each other and really that, that, that shorthand with each other, it's amazing. And, and you go so much farther. But if there's, if there's fear and there's, you know, I just feel that people have a tendency to, to lock down and think about themselves rather than their partner. That's, that's interesting because I was, I was, that makes me think about, like, I, I like the idea of, Trust or ensemble. Because what you're really looking for is that 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 feeling of ensemble. And what you're talking about is, is establishing that trust. But like to me, like playing with you and your son tonight, I'm like, there's already trust. It's like the trust is given. It's like it's, it's, it's so like <laughs> he owes me money. I'm yeah. Here to we don't know how this is gonna work out. <laughs> yeah, this is not. We're a gonna good see. Music. Shut up. <laughs> but I know what you're saying like, <laughs> don't cry. Don't, not here. For the people at home, I'm not crying. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Sorry. We, we are going to solve some shit tonight. <laughs> you there's, maybe. There, maybe. There, there's some stuff going on over there. Uh, no, but you, you know what I'm saying? It's like I, I think you reach a certain level where just like with certain I – mean, you can just give trust, right? Uh, I, I recognize the difference between that and developing a sense of ensemble. Mm-hmm. But I remember like back in our day, not many shows could sort of guarantee a show, right? Uh, like I already will go out on a limb and just guarantee this show. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it will not be a bad show. It's just there, there's too much training, too much ability for it to be a bad show. That did not used to be the case. I remember the old the, the old quote, you know, usually funny, what a... Sometimes, you know, sometimes brilliant, always interesting. That always interesting was sort of like, sorry, if you, <laughs> if you showed up for always interesting. Honestly, though, improv is always 60-40. That's always been my feeling. Improv is never just magic. It can be magical all the way through, but there's always going to be those lulls. And what I think the people that have been around longer realize is those lulls are gold. Right. Because sometimes people aren't laughing, but they're listening. They're really paying attention because they're waiting to see what's going to happen. And if it doesn't, nothing happens in that scene, they're like, huh, I wonder what that was about. And if you're in the back line, hopefully you're soaking all that up and then bring it all back. And then it's like magic. And then it seems like it was all meant to be. And people are like, how did you guys do that? But it's just listening and paying attention. But it always has its ebbs and its flows. And if you enjoy that, then you're on for the ride. But so much of the time, and especially out here, people are so focused on themselves that it's harder. Yeah, I think that's the trap. Seeing improv a lot now, I think the trap that people fall into is that it's this new generation of like, what's, what's, it's the me show of like, it's seven of us, but like, you got to see my bit. Like, if I'm a doctor, like, watch out. Here comes the doctor, right? And I think that happens a lot now where it becomes about like self-perpetuating your own image because of social media and all those things, and it's just like that has taken such a focus towards what improv really is, which is kind of like us as a group giving you this kind of show, this gift. Yeah, because it, it, it's so much not about, because I've been part of like probably every problem that an improviser can have. Uh, and yeah, I, I remember moving through the, how can I shine more, right? And then eventually you sort of, kind of disappear and just like I just want to get on stage and play with people that I like because that's going to be a good time no matter what <clears throat> and as far as like I, I, I think back to certain shows like Jazz Freddy there was never a bad Jazz Freddy I mean there may have been like you might have looked at one by your own standards been like that could have been because everyone does by their own standards I look at a show and go I could have done this I could have done that but there was never a bad Jazz Freddy show uh, and that's kind of cool because if you think before then it really was even with good teams uh, like I think Blue Velveeta was a team that pretty much had very few that I saw like if ever bad shows. Those guys shows. were super sharp. Those guys were super strong. Uh, but then there's like a lot of like good teams. It was, it was sort of that still. Well, you don't know. You never know. It could work. It could not. But then it's so funny because it was so young when we were doing it. And it's funny if you remember like when you started, how many plus forty guys were any good? Zero. No, you, nobody. Nobody was even around. Right. Uh, it, it was, was like, like twenty, and you hit thirty, <clears throat> and you disappeared. It was like Logan's Run. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People over seventy are getting that. Yeah. Those four of us that have yeah. seen Logan's Run. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think about that like now because like most of the best players I know are between forty and fifty. Uh, well, sure. I mean, it's like it's all that, that age. Long. Yeah. Uh, 
But I think it's just so cool to watch it go from, well, sorry if it's just interesting, to like, no, it's always going to be funny. It's a matter now of, like, well, how interesting will it also be? Right. I don't know. I, I started to get more into the fact of, because I, I really enjoy acting, and I really like stuff when it's truthful. You know, it doesn't really matter. I really started to buy into, and I really believe, it doesn't matter how funny it is if it's truthful. And if it's truthful, it's always entertaining. And especially if you're seeing it live and people are really connecting and talking to each other. Anytime, whether it's theater, movies, whatever, where people are actually really talking to each other and really connecting to each other, it's awesome. But the thing is, is that it, it's hard if you don't have that trust. And you can say that trust is a given, but not always. Because sometimes you can be scared for yourself, or you can be nervous, you can you know be in your own head, or somebody important's out in the audience, and you can kind of, what about me, what about me? And if you can put your, you know, all your everything on that other person, if you can put all your thoughts and all your and keep giving gifts to that other person, it's gonna be great. We used to do an exercise back in the day, uh, where you started every sentence with you. So I was always talking about you, and you were always talking about me, and it was a great exercise because you couldn't help but come together, and also it relaxes you. Because I'm going to keep telling you you're a psychiatrist. I'm going to tell you that you know, right. your wife left you, all this kind of stuff. And so you're like, oh, I'm a psychiatrist. Oh, I get this. I can do that. And then it relaxes your partner. And it's a great exercise because it takes the focus off of you and puts it on your partner. It's funny because I remember like, so often during, during and over the years, where it took me forever to really let go of... Uh, you know, trying to you know to fix everything, trying to make it right, uh, thinking while I played. It really took me about twenty some years to let go of all of that and get to the place where it was. It, it was just like nothing fucking matters. Just let go of everything and just like listen and react, and whatever occurs to you is the right thing. Yeah, and I mean, I've been doing it like four or five years now, so I'm definitely hitting that point now where I'm just like. I feel like I have this, I always feel like I have this debt to the audience in a way of just like, they're here, they need to see it, they need a show. This needs to be the show where they're like, I gotta come back or something. And it takes, it's like, it's something I always have to remind myself of like, yeah, fuck it. Like, who really cares? They're here, they're seeing it. Just give it to them. But it's also splitting your focus. Yeah. Like by, by being out there, you're taking away the focus of what's really happening between us because you're out here and you're thinking out here. Or you're thinking like, what could I do that would be funny? Like, well, what would be right. funny about this cab scene? Right. Well, we've seen a million cab scenes. What would make this one better? <clears throat> I have a gun. Death. I have a thing. Whatever. You know, and then the you're like... Trap. So well, you just got to let it flow. And all thinking is noise on stage. Because it means you're not listening, you're not playing, you're, you're thinking. Yeah. It's the classic, you sort of, when you think, when you meet someone. There's a thing I say in class, I've said it on the podcast before, but it's like, we've all the experience of like, you, you go to be introduced to someone, and... It's like you get ready to say your own name. Like, right. hi, I'm Miles. What's up? I'm Miles. Yo, what, 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 whatever cool way you're going to say your own name, right? <laughs> you really go all through them? Well, I'm saying... You're I, a Yo, Miles kind of guy. I got that tonight out there. You're I, like, what's up? I, I, I can remember you know, that happening, and we learn in that moment. Like, and then we're introduced, and we realize in that moment that we didn't catch the other person's name. Right. Uh, and that's such a great example of how just that little bit of thinking, and that thinking was actually preparing to say our own fucking names. Right. Uh, we missed the entire point of the exchange. Exactly. So that's why thinking to me is, 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 is just noise. Uh, and on stage, it takes you out of the moment. It takes you out of focusing on the other player. It takes you out of the play. I've enjoyed lately, because it really has been uh, 
Because I, I love the fact that improv like just continues to evolve. It's like I, I still see myself as changing and growing and trying to learn more. And I, I, just, I realized just in the past year, as I try to convey things to students, I'm like, wow, it's, I've gotten to a place where my mind actually calms down, like the noise of my thinking, because your mind is never off. But if I focus on my character or the other person and I'm just listening, the noise just comes to an almost zen-like state mm -hmm. where I'm just listening. I'm just like, and, and there's no noise. Uh, and part of it is like, I don't, I don't care how it goes. I, I, it doesn't matter. I'm right. playing this person and I'm listening to you and I'll say whatever the hell pops into my mind. Well, that's a big part of everything. I mean, that's the whole beauty of doing an art form like this is that you're revealing yourself and the more you can let go, the more you start to share more of yourself and then your subconscious starts to come out and then you're not really planning anything and you know things just start and that's the beautiful voice that's the the greatest thing about improvisation is there's a tiny little voice that always tells you exactly the right thing to do but if you don't listen to the voice the voice gets quieter and quieter but if you listen to the voice <coughs> it just comes in really clear and you just seem to follow whatever the right thing is to do but that's it's always just hovering in the background and i think that that's your subconscious it i i it's, it's interesting it's just because I define that for myself, or I have, uh, is the way our, our brains work to me, is our brains are aware of everything, right? Our conscious mind is only aware of what we choose to focus on, right? So if a brain encounters stimuli, be it a word or a mo an action in a scene, whatever it is, your brain automatically fires across everything and gives you the best thing it's got, right? And most improvisers, like, for, actually, that happens for everyone. And the beginning improvisers, ignore that. Like they say, no, I got to do something better than that. It's like, no, no, no. Your brain actually knows more than you know. Right. You're only aware of what you're focusing on right now. Uh, your brain just gave you the answer. Because at that time you feel like you have to prove something. You're just like, I have to, I have to do the good bit. Like the great, like there is some sort of answer to it. When yeah, what, I was, oh, yeah but what kills me is like, it's like, what we're trying to do is be more than we are. It's like, hey, if your brain says that, that's it. That's who you are. That's who you are right now. You can't be faster than you are right now. You can't be any more than you are right now. And by the way, who you are is enough. So just say whatever the brain, your brain just offered you. Right. I think you're saying a similar thing. It's like that voice is basically just your brain going, hey, here's the answer. And the, the, the mistake is, no, not right. yet. I have or a not yet. Move. Or because that's what I've done many times too, where it's like, oh, I should go in and be the doctor. Oh, she just went into the doctor. <laughs> yeah. And then you kill yourself. And then all of a sudden you start to shut down and you're like, oh, I missed the doctor thing. I yeah. should have done After the, the show, you're like, I'm, I'm sorry, guys, the show's still going the on. Or the other one is when somebody else is doing a scene and you're in the back line and you're like, oh, you know what would be hilarious? Grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> and you walk on stage and you're like, oh, was that a grilled cheese sandwich? And you're at a funeral. Crickets. Yep. And it's because you've missed the moment. You're no longer in the, you know, you're not playing. You're just kind of like, you're in here. So I, I, I caught myself thinking, this is a, a few years ago, but it was just, I was like, wow. Because I, I you know, try not to think on stage, and I just caught myself, whatever it was that night, I was in a three-person scene, and, and it was a three-person show, uh, and I, I caught myself thinking, like, oh, shit, I'm thinking. Stop thinking. Like, oh, I, I just missed what they said. Oh, oh, well, I've missed two things now. All right, <laughs> yeah. all right. Now I don't know what's going on in this scene. Wow, wow, am I thinking right now? And they're just like... I was thinking so much about the fact that I was thinking <laughs> that I completely removed... My, I stood there for the entire scene because I was like, I can't say anything in the scene because I have no idea what's going on. 
because I've been thinking for, for this entire scene. Right. Uh, so I, it, it, it's funny, and it's, it's so funny when you try and teach people, just like, try not to think. Try just to listen and react, because it seems like, what do you mean, don't think? It's like when you used to say to someone, you need to listen more. It's like, I have ears. I hear shit. Fuck you. <laughs> right? uh, it's like, no, yeah, you hear stuff, but you're not, you're not really listening. There's more to hear there. Such hostile students. Yeah, I was going to say, you're teaching a tough place. Yeah. I do. It's prison. But I do. This place is a prison. Yes. <laughs> I remember back in, again, back to the, the, the Jazz Freddy days, because me and Dorf talked about it a bit. I remember that lit a, like Jazz Freddy lit a fire under the family. Because you never invited any of us to play. Well, those were, I mean, I had such a big group, there was no way that I could expand. You know, like, all right, we. You invited people from all over town oh, to play in that show. But they were my friends. I mean, that was, I only could, I couldn't go to like people I didn't know and be like, you seem like a good guy and you've come to all right. the shows, be in the show. We oh. had Jeff Garland came to the show and wanted to do stand up before Jazz Freddy. Right. And I went back to the group and I was like, Jeff Garland, and they were like, no, it's an improv show. And I was, I had to go back and tell them that. It was terrible. It was but fun. But that's, it was a tough, that was a thing, that's an, I just want to say one thing, is that that was a tough thing that is necessary sometimes for an improv show or, or a show is to have, like, you know, it, you kind of create a family. Sometimes you need to be the dad. Right. You know, you need to lead and be the one that takes the hits for the team. And so that you're kind of, like, I learned that from doing the Ed show is that they had people like producer and a director and they would take the hits for the team so that the team could stay in their little cocoon and everything would be fine and they didn't have to deal with anything. It's fucking... As it worked out, like, had you invited... I mean, because we never got invited, for whatever reason, it just lit a fire under us. It's like, all right, let's work harder. Right. Let's work even harder. And that's probably the way it was meant to be. Or and, that and was the plan. That. Yes. <laughs> that was the plan. That was that Dad was... taking care of us. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I remember because that was back in what I consider to be at least... I mean, I'm sure you can see it as many, but that was definitely, to me, a golden age in Chicago. Of all, This is like before Second City started hiring... Mm -hmm. Really? Mm -hmm. At uh, least ours, people. No, yeah. I understand that, and this may not be true, but I understand that, that Sharna or somebody's like pissed them off, and they were like, not those fucking improv Olympic people. No, they, Second City had that going for years where they basically hire, it was always in-house. Right. It was always kind of political. They hired a couple of people who had been waiting tables or something. It was like, it was always in-house. And I remember the, like, the last audition, and I, I certainly pissed off Second City, uh, at, after that last audition I went on, because I remember going to it. You pulled a gun, right? I, I killed some people. <laughs> but it was, it was like, I remember showing up to that audition, and it was like, it was like you, you know, Kackner, McKay, Stack. It's like everyone from that generation, like 40 or 50 of the best players that I've ever known, all auditioned, and they hired two of their waiters. And I was like, all right, fuck this place. Uh, but once again, that lit a fire under me. That lit a yeah. fire under me because that it seemed like the thing that we all came to Chicago for, and then we discovered Dell and we discovered all these other things, and so then uh, when I, the thing that I wanted wasn't even there for me at all, right. I was like, "Fuck that! I'm going to go do my own thing." Well, that's why I went, that's why I so committed myself to. I, I, ironically and unfortunately, it's like that was pre Kelly Leonard, because once Kelly Leonard came in, he basically said, "Oh, this city is like has a backup." Yeah, of, of all these awesome people, people that are just waiting in the wings. But also they had a problem because people wouldn't leave. Like, I think that happens nowadays in, at Groundlings where people stay for 20 years or mm. 15 years, and it backs up the system. 
Like when we, and then when all the Improv Olympic people went through Second City, in and out, in Burned and out, it. in and out. Amy Poehler, there for a year, boom, yeah. gone. Tina Fey, gone, gone, gone. Everybody just came and went. And I did a year and I was done. It was great. I remember prior to that, it was like, all right, you do two years on Turco. If you're good enough, you do another two years at Northwest. And then right. if you're good enough, you might get an audition for the ETC and do a couple, two, three years there. And then if you're the best... Then, well, that's then because, I mean, that was, that, I think that was really a product of that there was no movement. People weren't right. getting out. And they should have. They should have. People shouldn't have been there for five years. You should do a couple reviews and move on. Because that makes you better. But people, it was the paying job in Chicago. There were no paying jobs, acting jobs in Chicago. You could either do commercials, like, you know, some cat food commercial, or you could be at Second City. And so you'd be at Second City, you know, it was a great job. And, and it was world-renowned, you know, everybody knew it. And now you go on a cruise. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's the top of the Good point page. now. You go to a cruise or like Sweden. <clears throat> That's like, I remember back in that time, right around then, I had an audition for Tony and Tito's wedding. Sure. Uh... And like this was like the, their first run in Chicago, and I got cast as uh, the best man in Tony and Tina's wedding. Uh, and they called me. The guy called me and said, "Hey, congratulations!" It was a terrible lesson for me too. Cause I, was actually, I was hungover as all shit, and I went to the audition and <laughs> just got it. Uh, I was like, "Hey, I got ah, professional." Apparently, that's the way to audition: just be shit hungover and you hate being there. Uh, but I got it, and he calls me. He goes, "All right, so we're going to offer you two hundred dollars a week. You do ten shows a week." Meaning you can't do any other shows. You can't have, and you can't work any other job because there's rehearsals and all the shows. And I was like, wait a minute, wait, wait, two hundred dollars a week. That was literally what I was like. I, I can't do it. I just, How many years I, did you do? I, I didn't do any. <laughs> I, I didn't do. I I didn't do any because I was like, how the fuck does anyone? How do you? I mean, I, I can imagine only like children of rich people could do that show. It's like because you can't survive on two hundred dollars a week. No and, way. And they took so much of your time, you can't do anything else. Uh, but that's the sort of thing. Like I remember Second City was, and it was only like, I think they made $500 a week, but man. I know, you know what's interesting though, is that it was very, you know, you, 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 got, you put blinders on once you got into Second City. All you cared about what was happening on those three stages. There were all kinds of great theater that was going on all around Chicago, and you just started to get really very small focus. And I remember Amy Poehler was going to New York, and she was like, I'm going, I'm going to do UCB in New York, Pete. And I was like, oh, Amy, no. They're priming you. They're priming you for main stage. You're going to get it. You're going to be. And she just looked at me. She's like, Pete, I'm going to New York. And I was like, I'm a loser. <laughs> and I really thought to myself, I was like, wow, when did you become the company man? And I quit like a week later. Because I was just like, I was like, yeah, oh, who have God. I become? Because I just, you get so focused on it. And I was, you know, I was directing, so I was talking to Kelly Leonard, and he was, like, telling me who, you know, who the good people were and who, who's coming up. And, I, and Amy was super talented. And, uh, but I love that she was, like, she had her game plan. She wanted to move right. on. She wanted, she did her thing. She's going to move on. But I just never forget that. I was, like, backstage at Second City, and I was just like, no, but they're, they're going to give you everything. <laughs> and, she, and she was like... <laughs> She's like, hit the bricks, <laughs> whatever. She's like, I don't care. I'm going to New York. I, so I was. Someone was telling me that basically, that basically you, as as you left improv, uh, so to speak, you're like, what I want to do is act. It's like, I don't need to be doing this anymore. What I want to do is act. So I was going to focus on that. Uh, and I remember shortly after that, it seemed like, oh, so he's focusing on that, and he's booking this, and he's booking this, and he's booking this. Uh, and now you've got Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, you've been in 
you're, you're, an annoying amount of commercials. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I the dream is alive. It's funny because it's funny as as, as as like sort of as, as a as a sort of you know peer of sorts just watching commercials, just like all right. He's 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 in a commercial with Jordan. That pisses me off on like multiple, <laughs> on like levels. multiple levels. Uh, although Jordan's sporting a Hitler mustache, for I know some, some reason. that was bizarre. Um, it's like he was probably the only person on the planet. It's like I'm going to go for the Hitler mustache. <laughs> and it was a Jordan. dual one. He had one here and one here. Oh, it's like he's trying to like hip it up with the the like the soul patch Hitler. <laughs> Only he could pull that off. I have a question. Has Soul Patch Hitler ever been said before in the history of the world? Are you the first person to ever be like Soul Patch Hitler? I would bet I that he is. I got to copyright that. Yeah, you got to copyright that. I would bet that, that he is. Trademark Soul Patch Hitler. Yeah. I said it first. Sorry, it's mine. But you know, uh, property but, of the podcast, Soul Patch Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, talking about the acting thing, uh, the hardest thing for me to do at that time when I really decided I wanted to make that change is to go back to class. Is to not just be like, no, I got it. I'm gonna just do it more. You know, right. I had to go back and I had to learn more. And I, and you know what? The the thing that I was really learning was to open up and to actually. So, because before I would just act it. You know, if I had an emotional thing I had to do, right. I would just act it. Right. And you know, you can see through that. But when to actually feel it, it's the same thing as all this. It takes time, you know, to kind of break down. Because for the longest time. I would watch scenes and it'd be like, oh no, that's too emotional. I don't like what they're doing. And then I then I started to realize, it's like, no, that's your problem. You have a problem right. with that of watching that. And so then, a little by little, I would work on that, work on that. And then that's what that's when I started to work more. Is once I started to let go. So every time I uh, auditioned for a TV commercial, I was like, this is my own movie. And I would just have fun. I'd improvise. And if they wanted to fire me, they'd fire me, you know, whatever. But nine times out of ten, they were having fun and they enjoyed it. Right. And also, when you audition, you're trying them out as much as they're trying you out. What I mean by that is that you're kind of getting a sense of, well, I want to work with these guys for the week or whatever. Because if they're like, no, not like that. No, a, a child would never eat a sandwich like that. Well, whatever you're, you know, whatever they say. I remember you've heard that before. Somebody said that to me one time. I've written. Nobody would ever flip pancakes like that. (laughs) I was like, what? But you then you know you don't want to spend your afternoon like that. But then people that are like, oh, that's great. Yeah, do whatever you're doing. And then that just gives you more confidence. And then you do more stuff. And then and then you really actually feel the things that you're talking about. And you feel these things. And that's like amazing. I was thinking I would love to go back like if if I had the time just to take class on anything. Cause I've take I've gone back to like I had to take classes for different things, and I'm just like being in class to me is like oh this is so just nice. It's so the opposite of like you know college or high school or anything like that. Just like oh especially if you're a teacher, it's like I don't have to do anything. I just gotta show up, and you're gonna tell me stuff, and I'm gonna be good at it or not, and and we'll just keep moving forward, and I don't have to do anything. Taking class is just like fun. It can be, but then there's also a stigma to it of like being 40 and being in an acting class. And you're like, oh, I suck. You know, you, you feel like, oh, can, I can't believe I'm doing this because you feel like, you know, you've had some success or you've done some things or whatever. And you feel like, oh, I can't believe I'm starting all over again. But sometimes that's what you got to do. You know, you got to get in there and, and chop the wood and make it happen. That's funny because to me, I, 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 I me personally, I've never had a problem going into class. Probably, I, I, I think I view myself in, at some level as like a 14-year-old boy or something. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know anything. Uh, 
So if, if, if I go into class, and again, it's just like, all right, tell me, if you tell me something I don't know, then great, thank you. I don't give a shit. Uh, yeah, I never understand that in like acting classes or even in like notes when someone's like, what, what? You're like attacking me. Or like, what? I don't get it. Like, let's talk about this. It's like, just listen. Like, yeah, it's probably take it in. fine. Oh, yeah. so, oh that, that always busts me with someone. If you take a class and argue with your teacher. Yeah, because right. that's what you paid for. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that's what I, and that's what the class paid that's for. That's what everybody wants. That everyone wants that opinion. fight to happen. Yeah. I've never seen anyone get in a fight with a teacher and everyone afterwards like, you got him. <laughs> <laughs> you really nailed it. I'm glad I'm here. I'm you're glad you were in there. You should teach a class. Yeah. yeah. I'll take your class. That's man. what they're waiting for. Oh, man. I taught for a long time. I had some hilarious students. I had one guy one time who hung out. While people were doing a scene, he hung out in the back and made faces around the corner while the other people were working. I was like, wow. That's so funny. I know. That's so funny. And I brought him in. You know how like you, when you, you, you meet somebody, you think they're kind of funny, you're like, come on, come to the Improv Olympic. You'll have a great, it's the best place. You're going to have so much fun there. And then, uh, and then he did that. And then, then another time he went to a fair that was over there, like during class. I was like, wow. You can He's pick like, him. Hey, I got a problem with authority. <laughs> I get it. I get it. All oh, right. Oh, jeez. Yeah. All right. Again, uh, we could talk forever, uh, but we don't have that much time. So I know we got a room full of people. So I want to open up it for questions. If anyone out there has a question uh, for Pete or Matt, uh, please feel free to ask. Raise your hand right there. I'll field oh. this one. Yeah, man, um, you got this one. Ah, uh, you take it. Really? Yeah, you got this. No. You need this. Okay. Um, Ed, Ed was a show that I didn't, I didn't develop the format, but I was, um, I always feel like I'm always the new guy. I'm always like the guy that joins a group, and I joined this group of people that already had been putting these shows together, and they were doing things that were so different. Uh, I think honestly, I can't, I don't I don't know if I can say this for sure, but like the tag out really came from that show. The tag out was when you know there would be a scene going on, and so so basically what this guy uh, Jim Denon came up with was, and I think it was John Lear and Jim Denon, but he came up with this idea that like there would be one world. It was all about like living in a world. So there the, we'd start the show in the dark, right? And we'd ask the audience for an event. And so they'd say a birthday party. And so then we would do, the, the lights would go dark, and we would do the sound effects from the birthday party, all the people that were talking in the birthday party. And then some two people would come out and do a scene based on what people were talking about at the birthday party. And then people would tag them backwards in time, one of those people backwards in time, and then backwards in time again, and then forwards in time. And just by that three, those three beats in time, we would create a world. You know, like, so, so it would be the birthday party. Then it would be the clown talking to the dad who, who was going to pay the clown. Like, somebody was doing that in the, in the dark, and so the clown's getting paid. Then somebody tags the clown back in time to when he's getting the job and what the job's really going to be. And then somebody tags the clown backwards in time again, and it's his grandfather who's a clown and wants him to continue his tradition whatever, and then somebody tags them forward, or one of them forward. And so it would create this amazing world, and then we'd create another world. So one was called like Central Time, and then the next one was Western Time. So they had these big stories going on, and they all evolved because of that little three-beat three move. 
Right. So it was really involved, and, and it would, we'd go for 45 minutes, we'd take a break, and then do another 45 minutes. Jesus. It was awesome. It was, it was mind-boggling. And it was so great, and everybody was... And the thing that was, people would get into taking people, like a little part of the story, like a little thing that somebody mentioned, like, like the checkbook in the, the story about the clown, and going to the bank and talking about like the, where the checkbook came from, rather than the linear story. Because the linear story, you can, the audience can catch up with you, you know, where you can be like, yeah, okay, I know I saw that on Hawaii Five O two weeks ago, or whatever, you know, like, because we're all kind of doing bits and pieces of movies or TV shows or whatever. We're all doing Hawaii Five O. Yeah, basically, Hawaii Five O. it's so good, you guys aren't watching? <laughs> anyway, but uh, it, I just really think that um, it, that was so important to, to not follow the to linear story. Did that kind of answer your question? <laughs> Probably more than you ever imagined. <laughs> I would go into no, I would say, I was, like, I was like, Ed and Film Dome, uh, which another show mm -hmm. that that group did afterward were representative of, a, I mean, I, I, I didn't see Ed, but I saw a film dome. And just the, the group work, as far as like using the whole ensemble to create sound uh, or, to or to transform from one scene to the other rather than just run across the stage. Like there was never that sort of stoppage in the, in the, in the show. It was really just some inspiring work that I, I Oh, it was amazing. Watching. And another thing, a uh, show we did where we played with four people and then we had musical instruments that would lead the show and like that's where the idea that was called Don Toddy. And that oh, was Oh right. That was crazy. So there's a guy playing a violin, <laughs> another guy playing guitar, somebody playing a flute, and then that would inform like the scenes. It was crazy, but it was so fun because it was so creative. It was just awesome. It was theater. It was theater. Yeah, any, theater. any else? Any other questions? Yes. Matt. How is it having a dad for having an, an improv legend for a dad? Oh, God, don't tell him that. Uh, no. <laughs> it, it was interesting. It's one of those things where you grow up and you're getting all these like these like fatherly rules being taught to you like in any like hopefully most dads do where they teach you all these different things growing up like life lessons and I just remember getting to like level one at IO and being like wait a minute yes and I heard that when I was five <laughs> it was like oh it was like it, it was weird to realize that a lot of my upbringing was almost based around improv like in a weird way where it's, it's almost like slowly fed to me growing up so I'd be in a class and being like I've heard that but motherfucker a lot of osmosis yes we always played the you game you should take out the garbage yeah. you should clean your room <laughs> and I'd say you know you I'm going to say <laughs> But it, it was very interesting. I always kind of knew. I knew that I knew all these people. I never had seen anyone do improv. But I had, like just kind of knew that they were doing something right, and so it was very interesting to be around. And this guy, up. he used to get up on stage when he was like three or four years old, and anything that looked like a microphone, he would just go. I had like a tight five on gibberish. It was really but solid. But you were four set. years old. You should have been able to speak by then. <laughs> No, but that's probably, he was a little bit younger. But, uh... <laughs> you but, uh, promised! <laughs> you promised! I got tons of them. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Any other else? Anything else out there? No? All right. You're all fools. All right. Uh, what's gonna, uh, let's leave it there. Let's do a set. Let's have some fun. All right. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Yay!
small sailboat off the port bow. We're not moving. Did we tell him to hold I think so. Larry? for us right now, and it is not working out. Okay. Full speed ahead! I, I see another boat. I wanted to have like a boat parlay. Full speed ahead! Full speed ahead! All right, all right, don't yell at me! <laughs> did, you, did you swab the dick? Did you swab it? Yeah. Yeah? Did you, did. you feel like a pirate? You get your dream? Is that what yeah. happened? <laughs> Are you mad about something? Is this about the macaroni and cheese? Because I didn't know you had to add water! You said you weren't going to be the cook! I can be the cook. I'm an adult. But you said, I'll be the cook. I can make Easy Mac. It's fine. And you just put regular mac and cheese with cheese dust in a microwave. You see a freighter in the distance. You know, very quickly moving toward this bottle boat. I'm going to be down in the hole. Do not go to the hole. All you do is play Game Boy in the hole. It's stupid. You can be out here. We're in the sea. We are pirates right now. Stop Game Boy being moved in that way. Okay. Uh, do you want to pull the horn? Horn hasn't been working, but you can pull the horn. Yeah. So let down. You know what else will let down? My son right now. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Sit in the hole. Play the Game Boy. You've changed. I have. What the hell? I'll have more. What the hell is going on? I'm trying. I'm trying to sleep. And I'm trying to grab a boat. We were just talking. We were just talking. Did you like a macaroni and Well, let's talk about the macaroni and cheese. What was it? You guys figure this shit out. No, oh. I'm going back. <laughs> now, I'm just thinking, and this is just off the cuff, but have you and your wife gotten away? Like on vacation? Yeah. No, the kid's always there. Mm. <laughs> That's interesting. Yep. What, are you, what are you writing down? Well, I haven't written anything down yet. Yeah, but what are you gonna write down? Well, that's for me to know. Because <laughs> after the end of the session, I will share. Remember, we have share time. Yeah, do share time. So now I'm just drawing a picture of a vacation that you might take. <laughs> boat ride? Try to put the boats on the outside. I, I did a, a thing with a zip line, but yeah, a boat ride would be fun. <laughs> yeah, but do you see, look at your boat. 
it is, it's a zip, I'm sorry. Zip lining me. It's just he, we can't really afford to have him like be watched. He kind of has to always go. She always wants him around. You're blocking. What am I blocking? I don't know. If I knew that, then we wouldn't have any more sessions. You're the doctor. You should just know that, that I'm totally fine. Yes, yes. I, I could continue to teach you Freud, right? But, but I've come to realize over the years, dystrophixes. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a client in session, and a picture pops into your mind. Fraud! Fraud! <laughs> and then whatever their problem is, it's somehow in your picture. I believe in psychology, psychiatry, psychology, I hate that argument. <laughs> it's, in, it's intuitive. So you, you remember, you draw a picture. You run up into a problem, you take out a crayon and you just draw a picture like that. Thank you, thank you very much. I think the bus is coming. <laughs> I just feel like, I feel like I don't really take this very seriously. I do too. What are you talking about? <laughs> a red nose? A little silly hat? I'm trying to let you let go. I'm helping you let go. I'm opening the doorway. See, I don't have a problem. Want to see something? Yes. That's a boat sailing. Yeah, but you see if you do it really fast? <laughs> it's a zip line. Okay. <laughs> Look, I, I don't want to be here. You don't want me here. I get that. I'm just trying to move why, through this. Why are you paying for this? You don't want to be here? What's the point? Just trying to make my wife happy. Good luck. <laughs> Start at the bottom. Why can't we start at the little foam on the top? Why can't we have a happy conversation? Let's always start at the bottom. No cavities. <laughs> <laughs> Why? 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 I just, I don't. I need to be fucked. <laughs> Yeah, two more martinis. <laughs> like, what is going on? I don't know. I do not know. I, I have a thank, thank you. you. Thank Shake you. It. Shake it. <laughs> don't break it. Yeah. I haven't heard that one. Boogity Boos, and now Schmim, 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 not too crazy. No, I just hadn't heard of Schmim, Schmim, Schmim. 
Hook me up. Okay. All I'm saying is that we got herbal scents right here. Look at, open it up, scent it, scent it, take it in. That's the wafting method. That's the wafting method. Like I taught you, that is chocolate. That's like reefer. That's like reefer chocolate. I'm like, you're tingly. Tingly. Yeah. How does it feel? That store is crazy. I know! It turns out they, they sell the marijuana, too. It had a big green cross in it. That's the whole reason for the fucking store, is to sell the marijuana. Yeah, but it turns out it's the fucking store, right? Really? Oh, they'll get things going. If I get my husband high, he will fuck me. Do I have to draw you a picture? <laughs> Vacation's so lame. What the fuck did you just say? You swam all the way out and all the way back and it's still me. Did you think by swimming out into the ocean? I thought it was a different island. <laughs> I got out there and I, the water got here and I couldn't breathe and I just was like, oh, I see that palm tree and I just swam. <laughs> what you just said to me, you were trying to change me by swimming out into the ocean and returning. I was trying to right. change islands, really. <laughs> I was trying to change vacations. I wanted to see the satellite phone. I wanted to see what they did at the office. They took pictures. Fine. 
You know what? Go. Go back to your office. Swimming? <laughs> no, don't fucking swim there. Go to the airport and get a... We're in Kauai. Why do you always uh, have to swear? Because I'm married to you. <laughs> I, I didn't used to swear. Ever. I didn't swear until I was married to you. Really? Think about that. <laughs> Fine. To get on a plane, go back to your office, look at your fucking pictures. I'm going to fuck every man on this island. <laughs> <laughs> and here is your drink. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> What do you mean you got kicked out of the Navy? <laughs> How do you get kicked out of the Navy? 
Navy. I thought they were into the same crazy shit I was into. <laughs> it's the Navy, right? It's like, those are the guys. And then they never tell you what the guys are, but you just assume they're your guys. Well, you're going to have to get another job. No. Yes, you are. No, but the Navy. I'm serious. Get a job. I don't care if you'd be a waiter, whatever you have to be. Do it. Oh, but Navy was so cool. I know, but somebody tried to be too cool. I don't know, that was kind of always where I fit, right? When we would talk about it, and like, every time I take you out, I'd be like, I'm a Navy man. Before I was a Navy man, and I became a Navy man. I'm talking about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this tattoo. It says, I only fuck Navy boys. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and that one? It says, the other tattoo was kind of extreme. <laughs> says carpe diem. <laughs> Up that blood. Oh. Oh. Sup, 
We start to go down the hill. <laughs> ah! Good idea, though. Running, jumping in. Oh, that's fun. Well, it's fun, and it also gets us going. Yes. We're already in. Can't we just go? Yes. There we are. It is 25 seconds into the bobsledding, and we have not moved. I know we are patient, but. I'm pretty sure we're losing at this point. Uh, well, there are no people next to us. How can we really know? And also, sometimes they give points to style yes. and form. Have you thought about raising your hands as we go down the box? Like Ooh, that sounds like good fun. It's fun. <laughs> well, I'm ready. And the New England Gentlemen's Club has yet to leave the gate. <laughs> Once again, they're sitting, they're sitting in the gate, all three of them. They look really great out there, though, Terry. Oh, they, they look good. Their outfits match. Their haircuts are immaculate. They look fantastic. They really bring a lot to the game. They do. They are, they are douchebags. <laughs> look at them. Well said. Yes, thank you. I, I, I know I'm not supposed to judge, but those men are douchebags. They're chewing up air time. Uh, so, let's talk about something that is happening in sports, because nothing's happening here. Uh, Let's see. See the Olympics? Ah, yes. Those were good. Olympics. I did not watch a single event. <laughs> I'm a sports fan. <laughs> 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 
things today. That's a good, that's a good seat right there. Yeah, join me, won't yeah. you? Oh, absolutely. Teach Thank me you. more about psychology. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't realize we were getting on the same bus I was. All right. It's just the one. Yes, strange, only one bus in this town. It's Some say it's town. a ghost bus. <laughs> <laughs> going up to the cemetery for you. <laughs> We're all going to the cemetery. <laughs> you taught for many years. Yes, I'm I guessing did. just because of yes, the knowledge you imparted. You see, we're dead. <laughs> Shit. sucks. Not even getting a seat in the afterlife, huh? Not even getting a realization. How do you know? How are we specifically sure? Oh, you guys are dead. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. There's only one place this bus goes, and that's dead town. Okay. Is there a possibility? I live a very low stress, low energy lifestyle. Is there any way that I may be like got on by accident? <laughs> like Nobody just... gets on the ghost bus by accident. Well, I was looking for the 753. Is this like the 754? Or like, is this just a similar? I'm dead. Okay. You're dead. <laughs> You're dead. You're on, a, you're on a ghost bus. What was the last thing you remember? Getting on a bus. <laughs> Just before that, before that. Before that. Waiting for the, okay. Uh, I had, I, I checked my watch and I looked at the sky. Yeah. <laughs> 
like we got fresh meat in the graveyard today. <laughs> Who's this guy? Uh, I'm old. <laughs> I guess. I'm a little scared. Don't be. It's gonna be fine, fine. if you stick around long enough and oh. become the driver. I guess this is my stop. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I became the driver. Wow! Great story! <laughs> that was a long time ago. Wow. Get ready for a fucking. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are gonna get fucked like you wouldn't believe. You're gonna get ghost fucked. Oh. Is it like regular fucking? No, it's worse. It's ghost fucking. <laughs> 